2: So I think that there's kind of a couple of ways to, to, to approach that, right? Um, building out and building up. So if you have a lot of money, you might come in and, and say, okay, I'm gonna play D4, D3, D2, and uh, kind of kind of attack all of the divisions that way. But I think if you're on a budget, you're gonna slowly expand across the D4s. And I I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that that's a great way to play the game.
3: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. I am Andrew Laird, senior soccer editor, joined by a very special guest today on a very different topic from what the regular Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast covers. Uh, joining me today is Andy Black, who some of you may know if you're on SoRare as Black. Very, uh, really went out, out on a limb there on that name.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah.
3: But uh, Andy, thank you uh, for coming on uh, to chat some SoRare.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. I'm I'm excited to uh, to join you here.
3: It's uh, so rare has been uh, very different than anything that uh, we usually cover at Rotowire, and um, there have been a number of people who have who are subscribers that are getting into it, uh, just as like a new f- way to f- play fantasy soccer. Uh, I'll be honest, NFTs were very new to me when I joined. Uh, they're still new to me, but uh, how did your uh, your NFT journey start.
2: Yeah, so um, it actually started back in like early, not early, uh, late 2017. Um, oh, wow. I started mining um, F, so I kind of got into the game that way. It hmm. was like a slow trickle effect, um, and I found a couple of projects that were interesting to me. Um, the The first one I noticed was Crypto Gitties, which you know I never, never touched it, never bought it, never. <laughs> did anything with it but I watched it and it was interesting to me the the rarity behind it the digital scarcity is the the word that everybody's throwing around and it was it was definitely interesting to watch hmm. um, but I never got involved with the project wish I did looking back but <laughs> uh, I never did the the next one to come along was uh, MLBC uh, which was a ended up being a disaster of a project but but there was a glimmer of hope there I mean it was um, it was nfts involving a major league baseball license um, and it was a lot it, it was really itching towards uh going the route of so rare but they they it was a terrible team that didn't really care about the project they didn't care about baseball they didn't understand the game hmm. um, which was really disappointing because it was very reflective in their project so um, when when you looked at the scoring because they had a fantasy aspect to theirs or it was I think they, they termed it as fantasy esque, and when you looked at some of the the things that they had in the gameplay, it was ridiculous. Like there were game events for uh, um, two pickoffs in the same inning, I think, and it was like I've never seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's happened once in the history of baseball. And then they were awarding things for uh, things that they thought were less common, like uh, they had a legendary event for for grand slams and. And, uh that was actually a pretty common event so sure, people were sure. rewarded yeah. based on that so any yeah. rate I don't want to talk about that too long because it was kind of a, a, a sad sad moment for a lot of us guys that mm-hmm. uh, actually came over to so rare from that project um so uh you know kind of kind of moved on from that I, I dabbled in in God's Unchained I don't know if you've seen that one but that's a an nft project that's that's really uh Kind of a playoff of Hearthstone. I don't know if you've ever played mm-hmm. Blizzard's Hearthstone or oh, similar yeah. to Magic: The Gathering, something like that. The NFTs are actually the cards in the game, and um, there's scarcity built behind them. And uh, it's it's actually a really cool project. It's still going on. Um, I still own cards and and uh, packs and stuff, but I I never got got as uh, obsessed with it as as they so rare. Um, I, I I was. Always interested in it, look fun, but I just never really got that, that that I guess, obsession. Yeah. So I still hold a bunch of cards and, and whatnot, but don't really do anything with them. They have some awesome technology that they're building into their product right now, um, uh, scaling technology. It's called uh, Immutable X. It's using ZK rollups, I believe, and something called Optimism. So that's gonna allow for faster uh, transactions, quicker transactions, cheaper transactions. Mm. And I go. wouldn't be surprised if we saw our friends over at SoRare start talking to Gods Unchained and Immutable X and we start to see some of that technology get built into their platform and we start to see faster transactions and cheaper transactions for SoRare, which, I mean, if, if they're able to do transactions for, you know, pennies on the dollar, their margins just explode. Yeah. Like right now, their margins are probably great on new signings, but uh, – uh, they would be ridiculously good on, you know, new signings if uh, uh, they were able to implement a technology like that. So really cool stuff. Um, after Gods Unchained, found so rare, and it's been uh, kind of uh, uh, just an obsession ever since. I, I started dabbling in the Belgian leagues and, and buying a few random players, not really know what, knowing what I was doing, and probably made some awful purchases. But sounds um, That was. Yeah, that was my way of easing in, right? And then slowly found some some players that you know started scoring uh, consistently for me. And then uh, uh, I think the big the big moment for a lot of us guys was when they added the MLSPA. When they added MLSPA, that's kind of the moment we were like, okay, this is this is gonna be big. This is real. And it was it it, it was more of a, like a hit home to us because these are teams that we watch, players that we watch on a regular basis and uh we had the opportunity to invest in them buy them use them in fantasy lineups so um that was kind of the the big moment for us did you did you have a moment at
3: some point where you you just were like nfts are it or was it like as soon as you heard about nfts you were like oh i'm i'm in like i think there's a kind of a leap of faith with NFTs, that yeah, once definitely you...
2: a leap of faith. Like when I first first heard about them, it made sense, but it was like, eh, is it just a fad? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think some of it might be like the art and the non utility based stuff. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that's a that's a fad. Maybe that's my ignorance, and I just don't fully understand it uh, because there is something special about that digital signature where you know uh, a piece of artwork is. Uh, uh digitally signed by that artist and, and you own that token right that's that's interesting uh i don't fully understand the crypto punks and the stuff that's millions of dollars that that just baffles my mind um uh but it certainly makes sense to a lot of people out there and they're playing that game and uh uh by all means right i mean uh, <laughs> but but for me it, it was never it was never it was never like something where I had it it clicked and it just uh, made sense right away. It was like a slow trickle. Like I had to start using them, start, start playing around with it and slowly, but surely um, I guess it, it just started to make sense to me.
3: I think I, not that I still like doubt it, but it, it took me a while and like I had no before so rare had no NFT background. And so uh, it was kind of this idea of, why do these things have value? And then I think when I realized not only how many people thought they had value, but what those values were, like just like totaling up the amount of money that was involved. And I was like, not that these things can't go to zero, but I felt more comfortable with it. And I mean, I come most more from the DFS side. And um, I think there was just this idea of, if you could actually separate the cards from the game if you wanted, uh, like if you're just like, it, it doesn't make sense to me that I buy these like digital cards, but like if you just forget that and we're like, you're actually just buying somebody to play in a game like right. that, that got it to me. Like I think w- what threw me off at first about so rare is that it was kind of presented to me as a, a digital collectible that you happen to use in a game And I think it's actually switched, that it's like, let's play this game that you just happen to use these digital collectible things with.
2: I'll disagree with you a little bit there. I think it depends on who you talk to.
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. I was saying, uh, the idea of going in on the game at least convinced me that it was like, okay, I can can do this.
2: Right. Same for me. But you look at somebody like uh, Gary Vee, who... Who bought the Mbappe and uh John Felix's, it's like he has no he has no interest in playing the game. Yeah. He bought those, put them in his wallet, and is they're just sitting there, which I mean that's great for us that are playing <laughs> the game because it takes out one of the one hundred Mbappes from yep. from gameplay. And in fact I think uh HG was showing in, in one of his uh uh from so rare data one week that only 50% of the Mbappes were in play one week, which is absolutely incredible. Best player in the game, uh, best utility in the game. You can put them in, uh, you know, champion Europe, U 23 all-star, you can put them in any of these lineups and 50% of the people chose not to use them. It's wild.
3: Well, (laughs) well, I think what, what goes beyond that is there are a number of people who own multiple Mbappes. And so it's like they go out and buy five, and now all five of those are gone. And um, yeah, it makes it a little
2: easier for people who are trying to compete with it. Um, I mean, even if you had five, you could find a way to use them all. I mean, sure, there's, absolutely, there's plenty of divisions, but I haven't even looked at the data on who owns them all and and why they're choosing not to use them. But my guess is they're just collectors that see one of 100. And I mean, uh, I'm not one of the the... the the big uh, sports collectible guys. So I don't really know what is rare in that world, mm-hmm. but one of a hundred seems pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's
3: how I felt like the, the more that I play so rare, the more I realize like just how scarce these cards are um, yeah. because you're right. Like one of a hundred when we see top shot does thousands of, of each series. And the thing that always got me about top shot, not to bring top shot in cause I don't own any top shot but it's like I do so we can talk about it okay so (laughs) so if you buy let's say one of I don't know what their denominations are but even if it's one of a thousand um, you're buying one of a thousand of a moment not necessarily one of a thousand of a player and a player could have plenty of moments and with the so rare cards like you're getting a hundred rare cards a year uh, and some guys won't get them depending on if they transfer or whatever Um, yeah I think what's kind of what I was realizing the other day with Mbappe is he could have more so rare cards by the end than anybody else. Like there, yeah. as long as he stays in, like there could be sure. a ton of like every year, those cards actually get less scarce, uh, even yeah. though we talk about how scarce they are anyway. Um, I say that to convince to help myself cause I'm nowhere <laughs> remotely close to owning an Mbappe <laughs> card of any scarcity. So, um, yeah.
2: I'm going to go with that too, because yeah. I don't know one either. So that's what I'm going to start saying. <laughs> so what,
3: what got me, uh, what was really interesting to me when I joined was how uh, the value, the, the card prices seemed to be so heavily skewed towards utility in the game. Yep. And when I thought of like, well, if we're collecting these, why am I buying these random guys from these random leagues that people will never hear of? And I'm like, they score well, that's fine. And then it's like, well, if you have those guys, then you can win the guys you know. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. And so like it all just started to make sense. And I think what we saw recently, and the reason, like the minute I was like, I need to have this guy on, this, on our podcast to talk about this, is when we saw uh, Gary V come in and then all of these collectors and all of these prices are going up. And you said you had never seen something like this in So Rare. And it's, I mean, it's not like So Rare has been around for 20 years, but sure. there, there did seem to be like this fundamental shift in uh, people valuing the collectible side more than the utility. And I think that's actually turned a little bit. Um, yeah, but it, it was, certainly. but like the prices we were seeing, it's like uh, we kind of joke around. Jow Felix is no nowhere remotely that, close right? to good enough right now to justify the prices that he, um, right. like he is a collectible card. There's yeah. there, the utility 100%. is just brutal. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, like the fact that this game had been around for like two years and then all of a sudden it, it, the collectible and the utility just went like this, uh, was really fascinating to me. And, uh, I was wondering kind of what you guys felt you guys meaning the ones who have been around for two years like how you guys were responding to this
2: yeah so i i think there's a couple of angles uh to look at there so like going back to the job felix uh uh kind of comment earlier i mean yeah it's his utility now but it's also his future utility Mm -hmm. that people are looking at so there's collectible aspect there, but there's also future utility, and you know the collect the collectors kind of think sometimes too about you know flipping these cards, and if they if they can push that market up and, and start buying all the Jao Felixes, you know they become more scarce and they can start selling them for higher prices. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of market mechanics in play there where um, people are probably playing that game a lot in Top Shot and trying to bring that here, um, which, you know, I, I don't. I think that we saw a little wave. Uh, I, I think that it's going to kind of be that way, where we're going to see waves of collectors come in, then it's going to cool off, and then another wave, and then, and then who knows? At some point, it might just get absolutely crazy. But uh, kind of going back uh, uh, to what you were talking about previously, uh, what what wait what 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 was the question? <laughs> uh, just like how. I mean, you
3: talk to a lot of people who have been around for a while. So, like, was the response when these card prices started skyrocketing mostly from the the people who are collecting? Yeah. So I
2: I think our, our perspective was this is this is great for the for for us that, you know, own a lot of cards, but it's not all that great for you know somebody coming in wanting to play the fantasy game um because that's going to push all prices up and i I think that that's where a lot of the talk began of this new uncommon or uh common type of scarcity where it does help the game be accessible to those types of players um but uh obviously we don't want to devalue what's already there so i think the team has a very difficult challenge ahead of them in that route um but I, I I trust them to to make the right right choices as well.
3: Was there was there ever a thought that the game was gonna be completely different because of the collectors coming in? Like did you I mean, think there I was st- a possibility that it was just st- never gonna be the same?
2: I still think it could that could happen, right? I mean if if all of the big collectors just decided to come in and and buy the um you know the the named players, you mm-hmm. know, the Ronaldos, the Neymars, the Mbappes. I mean, they're basically deleting them from the game and driving all the prices up. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it with scarcity the way it is, one of 100, one of 10, one of 1, I, I feel like if, if somebody with a lot of money just wanted to come in and um, kind of dictate prices, they could.
3: Yeah, It. thankfully we haven't really seen that yet. Um, yeah, I feel like this recent spike, and we were kind of just like you were saying, like they're half of the Mbappe's aren't being used, um, so prices are go- are skyrocketing, and it felt a little bit like what I'm watching uh, people talking about so rare look like what I see people talk about or how people talk about Top Shot. We're like everything's going up. We're all g- buy now because you can sell so much more later, and um, we we saw that clearly peak, like where prices have absolutely come down since then. They're still yeah. much higher than they were pre Gary V. Um, right. So it's still fairly expensive to, to get into the game. Absolutely. But the, I think what we saw, it is kind of weird, like a bunch of people came in to get these collectible cards and then just left. And like they, they got the cards they want,
2: I don't know that I'd 100% say that.
3: Uh, not not all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like I, I think um, if you looked at kind of if you considered the three different peop- kinds of people who play are the ones who yeah. like really focus on the games, the ones who are in it just to trade cards, yeah. and then the third is just the collectible guys. I think and then there's all people of the, trying to do all of it. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. But I think the ones who are just collecting, not that they're gone. But the ones who were going after the, the big cards, those mm-hmm. guys are gone because like once you get the ones that you want, like there's no reason to stay until here's maybe why a I disagree with
2: that though. I had a guy contacted me on uh, Discord yesterday and he's like, Hey, I'm interested in buying Kamish, which okay, cool, let's do a deal. And I looked at his gallery and he had I think four Ronaldos and that was it. <laughs> And he's like – he was telling me that he's trying to come up with a Champions D3 team, and and now I look back at his uh, – we ended up not making a deal, by the way, but I ended up looking back at his account today, and he had um, uh, uh, a uh, Gianluca Mancini uh, uh, defender, and then he had – I think a Lewandowski or he uh, – no, 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 he, he bought uh, Cruz. So he's making a team. Yes. He's getting there. I think that just that, that his first introduction was, okay, I got to buy Ronaldo. Right. So he bought four of them.
3: <laughs> four of them.
2: And then now he slowly <clears throat> figured the game out and it sounds like he is ready to, ready to make a team and play. So I think that we might see some of that. Maybe I,
3: not. <laughs> no, I, no um, now that you described that, I, there are multiple people who I've kind of spoken to who, have, who did that. Um, who came in and were like, oh, I'll just, I'll get an Mbappe. One of which uh, came in a day or two before Gary V. Maybe, uh, let's okay. call it four Good days before. And just went nuts. Like yeah. the the phrase I jokingly like, he came in hot and just bought all these cards. And then Gary V. came in and all of his cards were like, just exploded. Good for him. And he bought them, knowing he would need them in the game but there was just no rhyme or reason he's like this guy's good this guy's good that's good and then right. he started to like build teams and he's like oh i can't i'm not really building teams here right the There's light bulb went off and now now he's winning plenty um yeah. is there is there a negative at all to people being able to pretty much like just buy their way in if they have enough money
2: I mean, I don't think so. I think that's kind of the the point behind the game a little bit. I mean, um, I I I think that expectations are important, right? Yeah. If if I come in with you know a small budget, um, my expectations should not be I'm going to go win Division One Champions Europe. Um, I need to expect this, and if I'm not, I'm going to go whine on Discord. Like that is not that is not a good expectation. <laughs> But if I come in with a small budget, I can grind out the All Star D- All Star D4 with a common goalie. Eventually, get to the point where I can afford a goalie, and then hey, at that point, I'm making a run at All Star D4 card prizes. And after after you get to that point, you start winning those card prizes. You might get to um, starting to build a U23 team or a um, uh, uh, challenger or champion team. Whatever you 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 start to build out and and at some point you'll be able to build up into the d3s so i think that there's kind of a couple of ways to 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 approach that right um building out and building up so if you have a lot of money you might come in and, and say okay i'm gonna play d4 d3 d2 and uh kind of kind of attack all of the divisions that way but i think if you're on a budget you're gonna slowly expand across the d4s and i i, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that and i think that that's a great way to play the game
3: i uh I was talking to somebody recently, just like, even if you wanted to come in quickly and buy in as high as you can to play everything, it Mm -hmm. still takes a while. Like you can't, uh, you can't just identify five guys in each division. You're like, I'm going to play. That's all I need. And I, Mm -hmm. and I'm in like, there's a lot of work that goes into competing everywhere or as much as you can. Um, and I think people kind of misunderstand that it's, the, a lot of the uh, people who come in with lower budget, um, not that I think they expect to like win right away, but I think there is a little mm-hmm. hole. There's a little, uh, and we've talked about, and lot, lots of people talked about how the payout structure probably needs to be expanded a little bit, but it's yep. like, oh, buy your cards and compete for cards and, and uh, cash. And like, it sounds, it sounds easy. It's very, it's one of the, just like DFS, I explained this. It's very easy to play. And very hard to win consistently. Yeah. But the it is funny to me because I've seen people say like, well, if you spend $200 on one player, which uh, th- four weeks ago was, <laughs> you could get a pretty good player and now it's mm-hmm. not as good. They were like, over 10 years, like that's nothing per year. And I'm like. Nobody's thinking this way. Like I, I appreciate that we own these things forever, and hopefully, so rare is still around in ten years, and we're still playing. But like it's it, it's just a, a funny concept that
2: uh, you can start to play quickly. Though. What's that? Like like where I'm betting on the platform kind of when I buy yeah. a young player, it's like as long as you know I'm betting that so rare is going to exist in five years or three years or whatever. You know that's kind of what you're doing. You have to you're betting that the platform is going to be successful. And you're betting that that player is going to be successful. So it's kind of a combination of factors, right? Yeah,
3: for sure, for sure. Um, I guess I just never really think that long term when it gotcha. comes to like fantasy sports. Like that, there's a like so rare is obviously much more than just collectibles and fantasy sports. But like, um, you have to separate yourself a little bit from the old like. I just I need guys who score really well right now. And have you ever played in a
2: dynasty league like a fantasy football dynasty league
3: um it's yes and i well i don't now but i used yep. to and um i'll be honest i hated it like by <laughs> the end i hated it and yet here i am by <laughs> buying these cards forever that's um, kind
2: of what this is at.
3: it's absolutely scale, right yeah uh, i think it, it's exactly what it is and um
2: Except you don't have that guy that drops out of your league and then you have to try to find a replacement
3: for when <laughs> right. their team's terrible. <laughs> well, I look at that as the people who have all these cards that I want who haven't uh, been on the been on the site for six months because they've given up. Uh, right. Not realizing they're sitting on a gold mine right now. That's right. Um, but yeah, there's a there's just like th- that aspect of um, I own these guys forever. And I think uh, the, the hardest part of so rare is the necessary patience. And it's the patience of, um, if you are buying players who don't necessarily play now, and uh, you know, that's why I did that previous video, um, and I'll probably do a follow-up of you, before you start spending money, you really have to figure out what you want in the short-term and the long-term, because you can buy plenty of players right now who hopefully will play in five years, and you have them cheap, like you're not yeah. getting anything out of them right now, um at all, and so like yeah. what you need to figure out what that is when you when you started, you said you just bought a bunch of Jupiler guys um
2: yeah randoms
3: man <laughs> well, I think that the the other funny thing about the Jupiler league is it was like yeah that was like the the first league it on was yeah. and so. When I talk to people and they're like, oh, I'm going to like grind the Jupiler League. And I'm like, just so you know, everyone has done that because like yeah. it's been around the longest. Uh-huh. Um,
2: I, I honestly feel like that division needs a little bit of a work over. The whole Challenger is very diluted. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you have three years of Jupiler cards in there now. You yeah. have the uh, Portuguese cards. You have all of Irovid, I can't pronounce it, Irovidisi. Mm-hmm. Close sound right ish. Yeah. So you have all those cards now. So you have a, t- a massive player pool and there's yeah. so many stars in there. Like I was talking to somebody the other day and they were thinking about buying a Vanakken card. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I mean, you really have to hit the lotto hit the- to really like to win that division. You have to, you know, you have to put up 400 in D4 or yeah. a very high score, which, um, and this past week, I mean, we were talking about almost 500. Yeah. I think. This week, like, past week was ridiculous. There were, there were just crazy good scores that week. And, Um, I just, I feel like if you're wanting to be competitive somewhere, that's probably not the best place to go and try your luck. Just there's, there's old, old guys like me that have been on the platform for two years and we've been collecting all these Belgian players and we have, you know, I I mean, honestly, that's like probably one of the last divisions that I fill out my lineups for. And I have really good players that go into those lineups. Mm -hmm. It's like, eh, I know people are buying high, high priced players for those divisions, and 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 then trying to compete there and it's like well you know some of us guys have you know are those are our leftover cards that we're throwing in there which is kind of like kind of weird to think about um yeah i think
3: what what got me was um how small uh champion europe was and it was mm-hmm. like well th- those guys are going to be expensive because they're uh, you know they're the the popular teams that everybody knows but it's like well it's also not to consistently use this word, but they're a lot more scarce because they're just like fewer, te- a lot fewer teams than, yeah. Ch- than challenger. And I think when you get into so rare, you're like, oh, I'll I'll just look at these smaller leagues, and you're like, yeah. no, no, no. Like if you're looking at smaller leagues, don't look at the European
2: ones because everybody has been looking at those.
3: Um,
2: yeah. I mean, I, the the other reason they're expensive is because you can win the best players, best right. players, right? So I mean that definitely drives the prices up on them um yeah u23 is an, an interesting and all-star interesting as well because you can take those belgian players and you can win the players from uh the ch- champions Europe league so i think that a lot of times too if i'm going to compete with those uh good challenger players i think a lot of times all-star all-star and u23 are the place to go because you might get lucky and win a champion europe player there,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then have to sell it for somebody else <laughs> Right, so we're um, you've seen some season turnovers, obviously. Um, Yes. We're coming over. Where was this? March eleventh. We still have a few, two more months, basically, of the European leagues. But MLS is about a month away. J League and K League just started. Um, For those who are just getting involved, like, do you? Is there a benefit to? Like, do you, or do prices tend to go down as this? Yes. As seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: not a ton. I mean, it, 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 I'm not going to say that it like, oh, it's going to crash at the end of the year. It's nothing like that. But it's like, yeah, the prices will slowly deteriorate as the season ends. And in the off season, you'll, that, that will sustain, there'll be lulls in the prices because there's not going to be any buying pressure. Right. So the only people that are selling um, are going to have to sell at kind of the low, lowest possible prices because people aren't really looking to buy those cards in the off season because they can't use them right now. Right. So, um, yeah. And I think that, you know, if, if you're, if you're worried about your investment, uh, losing money on your investment, just hold all the way through it and you'll be fine once the next season starts. Um, but if you're one of those guys that likes to kind of play the market, you might, you know, one to two weeks out before the end of the season starts, you might start selling some of those cards, make it, make a little bit of profit or whatever. And yep. then as the, uh, off season comes up, you might rebuy them or whatever when they're they're lower, but I mean, some people like to, to kind of play that game. That's not something I'm really all that into. Um, I've done it a little bit with uh, a few cards, but that's just the, the amount of effort it takes to like really game the market like that. You see people doing it. They're yeah. they're they're doing it. There's big card holders that that are constantly out there working their butts off, but uh, it's just not for me. <laughs> I, so I bought a,
3: so I joined in November okay, and um, I think I bought my first card in December or it was the end of November and I started buying some MLS cards in, in December and I was like, oh, these guys are kind of cheap. I, they look dirt cheap now that yeah. we've had this spike, but it was like right. the, the mistake I made was, oh, I want to compete right, right now. And I bought these MLS cards and I'm like, well, they're not playing. So I have these cheap MLS cards, but I can't use them. So now I'm yeah. like, you no, know, I'm like, oh, Europe European challenger. Those guys will be overlooked because nobody wants to play those guys. And it's like, oh, oh they're my. nope. These uh, pros have all these uh, have all these guys. Um, right. But I think uh, just like what I went back to before, like you have to figure out like what your if you want to compete now because you want to compete now. Then like buying a bunch of these European cards, you can get a, you'll get a few weeks out of them, but you're gonna run out of time. And in the summer, uh, you know supposedly we'll have some competitions where we can use them but we're unless you have some really good guys who are on national teams maybe maybe you get a little stuck but um it's like a fine line between being able to buy cheap going into a season or in the off season and figuring out just how to compete still
2: yeah yeah i mean the the so this is going to be a special year with euros like we we kind of chatted about this on discord the other day where um there's limited numbers of players at certain positions in the yep. Euros. Um so we're gonna see at some point this summer, certain players' prices are just I, I not financial advice, right? But I think certain players' uh prices are just gonna get ridiculous. Yep. Because people are gonna wanna uh play in whatever Euro competition Sorer puts out there, which you know, I, I think it's probably gonna be division one through four Euros and then you just plug in your lineups, but yep. We don't know. We don't we don't know what they're going to announce. We don't know if they're even going to do it, although they've hinted heavily that they they are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that there's going to be this this will be a very interesting offseason for uh for those types of players.
3: I think I haven't ruled out the possibility of third parties running euro euros competitions using <laughs> so rare cards either.
2: I mean, Yeah, that'll that's definitely uh on the table, I would think. Yeah,
3: so. for sure. Um, how much do you think you will find yourself playing on like third-party sites with these cards? Like they always talk about, like you can use them anywhere, and yeah. we've had some. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, I think I think uh, what a couple of the guys that I've talked to that are DFS guys like yourself, what they're missing right now is if there was some kind of DF- DFS element to this, where um, you you know you submitted a lineup and it was three bucks or you pay a hundred bucks and it was a head to head like, a, or the 50 fifties. I know you guys are big on too. Yep. So like, there's a lot of cool ideas there, but I think that there's a lot of, um, uh, anti gambling laws or regulations or whatever that so rare. Just doesn't want to deal with, mm-hmm. but nothing says that somebody else couldn't, Uh, I guess deal with the, their, their, the gambling authorities in their country and build a platform that, that you could use these cards on and play DFS with. With that said, I mean, that's pipe dream, right? (laughs) Um, right now we have, I think three or four other sites that have competitions and I, I play along on all of them just because why not? It's Mm -hmm. interesting to see what other people are building. Um, some of it's really fun. Like the, uh, so rare data cup where it's, uh, actually head to head every week. Mm-hmm. Like there's something awesome to me about head to head. I've played, uh, fantasy football all my life. So, um, that weekly, you know, pitted against another guy, there's something cool about that. So I really enjoy the cups that he does. And then, uh, uh I think that there's some other people doing like a seven aside. Uh, HG also has the 11 aside, which yep. is fun. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's good for us to play as many of those as we can just to kind of find what you know where 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 is this gonna go what's best what what uh what is best for the platform is is five aside the best is seven um I don't know I just i I really like to kind of have my my ears ears on the ground and kind of uh seeing what everybody's trying and everybody's doing yeah
3: I think the different gameplay is nice um like SO5 obviously you only need five cards and if you have oh. a lot more then where do you use them I mean obviously you have the different divisions but if you if you just have dozens of rare cards then ultimately you're, you're not going to compete much so like being able to use them use seven somewhere else or 11 in another like it there there's some cool ideas out there and it's nice that the that you can buy a card once and use it in multiple places. Like, it's just, yeah. that doesn't seem to exist really. It's crazy to like, think about, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not like you can draft a fantasy football team somewhere and be like, oh, I'm going to play this team somewhere else too. Like, that. Yeah. it's, uh, the utility is, is fun there. Um, do you think the, uh, this huge increase in prices that we saw and now kind of coming back down a little bit, do you think we're kind of just in a new normal of that's, how we're going to go.
2: I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Not financial advice, right? Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think it probably is kind of the new normal. And I think that, uh, I mean, just kind of what I've seen on the the platform, it just kind of like, uh, it, it, I would describe it as waves. Um, at the very beginning, uh, cards, you know, most cards were pretty cheap. Um, but once it kind of goes up a tier in pricing, it seems to, uh, it seems to really stick there, and I think mm-hmm. I, I think my perspective on that is it, it, it's a testament to the team and how they've really committed to the scarcity, but also they're not um, they're committed to like a like a organic growth. They're not out here um, marketing this like crazy yet. Which theoretically, if they wanted to, they could go crazy and put this in front of everybody, and we would have it would, the market mechanics of that would be really interesting. It'd be fun to watch and it'd be fun to own a lot of cards when that happens, but um would it be best for the game? Probably not. I mean people would come in, there'd be a lot of people that that got wrecked buying a card, you know, at the top or whatever. And uh so so yeah, I think that I, I think that the way they're slowly building it kind of uh helps with that shelving of prices where it kind of moves up to the next tier and moves up to the next tier um, I think we'll continue to kind of see that type of growth. Again, not financial advice. Right, of
3: course, of course. Uh, <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if,
3: like what causes the next collector boom? Not so, much, not so much what causes it, but like it seems like if we have another like big group of people come in who want to buy the, the big cards because it's not like we saw all of the prices go up because everybody was buying all of the cards to collect. It was just kind of a natural, well, this was the difference between these guys. So it'll just keep going, but they're, they're so scarce that the, they're almost the new collectors will, I think be buying from the huge collector boom that we just saw. And like everybody who plays the game really shouldn't be affected, but we will be because those prices will go up ultimately and, and whatnot. But do you think, like, my thought is we'll see another boom when the new, when the, just the next season comes out, because there's going to be a, potentially 111 new Mbappes next year, starting in September ish or so. Yeah. Um, so like,
2: yeah, I, I don't know that that'll like really have a huge effect on, on prices. Um, but, uh, I, I think, I, I, honestly, it really comes down to the the number of people that, that come on the platform all in a given period of time. I mean, the yeah. shorter period of time, the more we're going to see, you know, deviations in price. But if, if that's stretched out over a longer period of time, we'll see more of like an organic type growth that, that probably is more healthy for everyone where, you know, we're not we're not seeing people come in at the top of the spike. And then two days later, it's you know, the thing is worth six six F less or whatever um so I, I think the commitment to kind of that slow build is is really important to the platform
3: for sure um I noticed you pronounce it F instead of ETH is that yeah. is that an American I mean, thing I don't even know I've heard ish. enough people. I don't know them.
2: I think it's just a bad habit
3: oh <laughs> <laughs> um do you look at all prices in in F it's
2: a great question um I do ish um <laughs> I have an understanding that other people don't, so um, I tend to look at them just as the price in ETH, ETH, whatever, um, but I, I also know kind of what, how the market works, and the market is in a kind of strange gray area between the two, where is. Um, it's, it's, it's not, not pinned to dollar, it's not pinned to Euro, it's not pinned to ETH, it's some interesting space in between. And, um, I think that that's fine too. I don't think that it needs to be pinned to anything.
3: Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. It's funny. Just like, um, there are a few people I know who have gotten into just kind of trading cards. And it's funny when I, cause I've started to look mostly just at ETH. And I think part of it is that I've sold some cards. So I'm basically buying them with ETH on my, in my account. Um, but it's funny to see people perfectly content to take an ETH loss because they're because ETH went up and they, so they're actually making their dollar profit is, is up and I'll happily take the ETH, you know, give them the ETH loss if they yeah. want. But that was one of the things that got me early on was um, it just felt like people who had been on the site for a while and it made total sense, but like people who had been on the site for a while pretty much only thought in an ETH and I came in only thinking in dollars because... I didn't own any ETH anyway, so. Right. Um,
2: yeah, what What the hell is an ETH, right? Right,
3: right. <laughs> um, all I know is, like I, on the site, I well it started in euros and I was like, let me put this in dollars. Right. And um, it was like, oh, this seems like, a whatever it was, this seems like a lot of money. And it's like, oh, well it actually traded for half that in ETH, oh, you know, two months ago because Ethereum was so much lower. Um, right. So it's kind of this, I mean, it's just, it adds another thing that so yeah, I, offers. Think that, I
2: think to the goals of end users is a lot different mm-hmm. as well I mean uh, some people are trying to make make a profit in dollars so they you know that's what they're more concerned about some people are trying to uh, accumulate the most f that, that they possibly can and that's their strategy um, so th- that's like another one of the, the billions of layers to this onion is you know the 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 goal of the end user what are they trying to do are they are they, do they not care about any of it and they're just trying to get as many cards as they can and their goal is to collect NFTs. That that might be it too. Um, you know, pick your pick your poison, I guess.
3: Right. One of my favorite things recently was uh somebody was like, "Oh, a buddy of mine asked me how much money I've made on so Rare." And I was like, yeah. well, "I have never sold a card." <laughs> yeah. So, but I you know, it's like uh it kind of feels a little top shoddy of like, well, if Oh, my account is worth $3 million. Oh, how many did you sell? Uh, none. Like, oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Not to get into that, but some of that stuff kind of scares me a little bit. Um, not in rare, but in Top Shot. I mean, I've uh, dabbled over there. I'm not a big user or anything, but just the that my account is worth this. Like, okay, but you got to find somebody to buy it for that, right? right? So um, I, hope, I hope people are careful over there. Um, I know that people probably are not being careful over there. But um, uh, yeah, I, I I hope I hope everybody just kind of takes a step back. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now, like CryptoPunks selling for I don't even know what I saw today, seven million dollars or something or something or like that. Yeah, seventy million. Some I don't know. know. It was I, I just remember seeing the number and I was like, that is absurd. That is absolutely absurd. But you know, maybe that's maybe that's the new normal. I don't know. But uh, I just I hope that people are careful. <laughs>
3: yeah no i i agree i think one of the things that uh not like pushed me away from top shot and towards so rare was just is bit the utility that like i wasn't yeah i wasn't into not that i wasn't into collecting but i just wasn't looking to do that yeah. um and yet here i am accumulating as many so rare cards as i can to compete in this game to win more car <laughs> win more cards yeah right but uh I mean, it came after my 10 year old son got into collecting soccer cards uh, just before COVID hit and boxes we used to buy for $40 are now 400. And it's like, how do you explain like, oh, nothing's actually changed, but uh, this is now 10 times more expensive. Yeah, dad can't buy any more boxes. Yeah, no more boxes. Um, But I can buy
2: the digital versions. Right, right. They actually cost a lot more money. A lot
3: more, right. But you can't touch them. Um, Right. (laughs) Right. Right. I think I've taken up enough of your time, uh, tonight. I, we kind of joked around that we could talk about so rare forever. Um, yeah, I but, so. uh, I would love to, uh, have you back as well to, well, maybe we'll get a little more, uh, specific on some things, but, um, yep. I thought it would be great for, uh, the people who usually listen to this podcast of just, uh, hear the thoughts of somebody who's been on the site for a while. Um, and anybody who's looking to get into so rare, I think, uh, hopefully we can, we set some expectations at least, or at least new yes. showed you, uh, where, where you should be setting your expectations.
2: Uh, right. That's what we always talk about is the expectations. That's the most important, important thing, um, is setting the right level of expectations when you come in.
3: Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, we see it in DFS all the time that if you, if you're somebody who sees a lot of people winning and it just feels like, Oh, everybody can win. And, uh, doesn't always happen. I spent $3. Why
2: didn't I win 10 grand?
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of it. Exactly. Uh, but, Andy, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. And um, good luck with all your uh, sober advice Yeah.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And same to you. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit slash soccer.